Welcome to Red Ice Creations Radio. This is Henrik Palmgren and this is our internet talk radio program recorded from the west coast of Sweden. You can tune in every Thursday and Sunday for our regular program. And uh, if you want to have full access to our archive, you definitely want to check out our subscriber section. You'll find all the information on how to subscribe and be a part of Red Ice Creations on our website, redicecreations.com. So uh, again, welcome to our Sunday show. And uh, today we have our regular guest, Alan Watt, from cuttingthroughthematrix.com with us. Alan joins us the last Sunday of each month to... uh, Help us do just that, uh, that his web website name implies, Cutting Through the Matrix. And uh, with that, let's say welcome back, Alan Watt. Thank you again for, for coming on with us. It's a pleasure to be on. Yeah. Great to have you back, Alan. Um, you know, I had a few ideas about, you know, today's topics here. I would like to, you know, begin to talk a little bit about um, some of the uh, funda- fundamentals, so to speak, uh, to go over a few things that I guess... Uh, still the majority of people uh, don't get or don't even consider or or think about this is uh, you know in some sense very basic stuff to a lot of us uh, like the topic of of, you know the increasing surveillance uh, centralized control we have a more and more militarized police force going in we have the emergence uh, of the cashless society etc etc the plan of where the world is heading as it were and so if I were to kind of play the fool, so to speak, here today and ask you a little bit about surveillance, for instance, you know, uh, a common answer in some instances is that, you know, okay, I know there are a few cameras going in here or there, a bit more surveillance, but, uh, you know, that doesn't hurt me. I, I got nothing to hide. In, in fact, it's, it's there for my security. It, it's there to keep me safe and, and uh, you know, protect, it all, protect us all from uh, terrorism or, or whatever. Uh, that's kind of an answer at least I kind of bump into a lot when talking about these things but um, Alan what what would you say if you got the opportunity to to talk to a guy or a gal that have this kind of attitude towards surveillance what's what's bad about it Uh, I'd always go back to one of the the players in the early 1900s uh, Colonel Mandel House who was an advisor to different presidents and uh, used to call him the park bench politician mm-hmm. because he never uh, would talk to anyone unless it was out in the open away from surveillance and any kind of recording mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but he said uh, for everything that happens that the public are told there's always a very good reason and then there's a real reason yeah. you see we're never given a real reason but it must be plausible and the plausible is always given to the public. This time it's for surveillance uh, under the guise of anti-terrorism. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, a long time ago, even before World War II, huge think tanks that were employed by the wealthiest men on the planet went over the world's histories and the peoples, and they decided there were too many conflicts and conflicting interests between groups and peoples and religions and so on mm-hmm. uh, to f- for the world to have any stability and they therefore implemented the next phase of uh, planning the future mm-hmm. and they decided that they would bring the world to its knees through wars if necessary until they had a global government and in the meantime they would use all techniques to make the public go along with it 
because governments thrive in times of war or the threat of war. Yeah. They, they have, they, people are taxed for research and development, which is used for top-secret weaponry mm. and uh, various kinds of high technologies. So they could advance very quickly to find methods of literally monitoring and watching everyone on the planet. That's where the money was really going mm. during the whole Cold War. And uh, the public didn't complain because they believed the Cold War was real. Yeah. So uh, all the stuff we're seeing implemented today is a result of a phony Cold War where only those at the very, very top on all sides were in on the act. And they all knew at the very top that it was phony. Uh, but uh, the guys down below, including many of the departments of MI6 or the CIA, didn't know. Mm. Every, com every one of the secret services is compartmentalized from the other. It's a need-to-know basis. Mm. However, um, mm. during Ronald Reagan's era, they did uh, great strides forward by uh, putting in the biggest budgets that ever done for the United States. And uh, he was the first one to put forth uh, $1 trillion for, for warfare purposes, research and development. Mm -hmm. like, uh, the, and the beginning uh, of Star Wars yeah. project. Now, the Star Wars project wasn't just to watch other countries. It was to put in advanced technology that would eventually monitor everyone on the planet. Mm. And they knew exactly how they were going to do it back then. And they've had about 20-odd years to to gradually work and implement it into existence. But they already had the satellites up there that were capable of monitoring each and every one of us via either a wearable chip or else an implanted chip. Uh, that's how far ahead they plan. Yeah. Um, this whole guise of terrorism is phony. We know that because Britain tried to uh, put an, an anti-terrorist omnibus bill through in the late 90s, before 9-11 happened, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the House of Cor Commons. And there was a huge outcry about they didn't want an ID card because nothing was happening, that the Cold War was over, what was all the fuss? Yeah, yeah. But it was already the tried to get it implemented in 1998. In mm -hmm. Canada, at the same time, Alan Rock, who was a lifelong uh, sort of advisor-type politician, he was always in the right places, He's been trained since childhood for his role. He was the minister in charge of um, uh, law and order and all this kind of stuff for mm -hmm. Canada. Mm -hmm. And he single-handedly put through an omnibus crime bill, which was an anti-terrorist bill in 1998-99. Mm -hmm. And even the, even the journalists were saying, wait a minute here, this is, this is total martial law bills he's put through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No one complained, no one objected. So they knew what was coming. You see, yeah, having it, it was coming because it was planned that way long before 9/11, including where they would go step by step, and and uh, terrify the public. They even had the list of countries in the Middle East drawn up that they would have to attack because they wanted to take over the Middle East mm, yeah. uh, as a last vestige of a different civilization that wouldn't go along with this new types of democracy. Democracy, remember, is never stable; it's always changing. This definition. Hmm. Okay. And so um, the New American Century, the project for the New American Century, yeah. was published in early 92 by Wolfowitz and Cheney and all this bunch that's in right now. Yeah. And then they republished it and, and um, abridged it in the late 90s. 
with those countries in the Middle East targeted for war. Mm. And bang, 9-11 comes along, and the whole world has to go into this anti-terrorist phase. Every single country uh, went into it at the same time, which tells you that internationally they'd already drafted up all the agreements to implement it uh, at the right time. Because you know how, how slow politicians work and how bureaucrats work. Yeah. It, takes a long, it takes them years to get something like that all agreed upon hmm. you know, in every country. So It tells you there's hmm. a coterie at the top within all the countries that the new part of an agenda which the public did not. That's right. Um, you know, again, uh, if we were to return to kind of a, I guess, then the, on the on the personal level for for the guy on the street, uh, uh, you know, when would this kind of technology, the surveillance technology, not not only cameras, then uh, I guess, but also, as you say, the uh, well, the the chip, of course, obviously, is the more direct, um, you know, threat to to personal integrity and so forth. But um, I mean. The, the consensus, in a way, is, is kind of uh, okay, but I, I play play along in the rules that you know that they have set up. I, I don't, I'm not a criminal. I don't, you know, disobey and and so forth. Uh, so I mean, in what kind of situation would would uh, this technology, the surveillance technology, become dangerous to to these kinds of of people? Do you think that that ever ever will occur? You know? No. In fact, in the 1950s and 1960s, uh, Jacques E. Lull who was a, a big sociologist. He, um, he was an advisor to different countries on peoples and the psychology of whole groups of peoples and nations. Mm-hmm. Um, wrote books on how it really was, how things really worked. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned that since 1952, every person in the Western uh, Hemisphere has had personality profiles collected on them from beginning, the beginning of their lives, right through their lives, mm-hmm. and that this is available to, to top um, levels of police forces. Uh, he said, whether it's living in a city or a town, he said information is collected in a certain fashion which the public are completely unaware of. Do, do you every mm-hmm. single individual. Do you know if so this they've been doing yeah. this since at least openly since the 1950s? Okay. Do, do you know if the, this is a kind of information? It's uh, uh, available on a global lever, level, or is this uh, kind of lo- locally in in different countries or even areas that they uh, profile you or keep your you know records as it, it were? It's international. Uh, it started off under the guise of a private security force, uh, which was actually owned by the Rothschilds, and that was Interpol. Mm-hmm. Uh, Interpolis. So yeah. uh, that was the first one, and all country, all Western countries, U.S., Canada, and all the European countries went to central com- banks. At that time, they used Cardex systems, and eventually put it on the big computer tapes and then into computers as the years went on. Mm. But uh, as he stressed, the public must never be an- allowed to know how this particular kind of data is collected. Mm. And part of the reason was <laughs> they didn't want the public to know that every single little area and village and so on has people placed within it who collect data through mm. gossip <laughs> primarily and through gossip and through the eastern star a female branch of freemasonry mm-hmm. uh, they collected all the gossip and data on everyone okay they have been 
for uh, 50 odd years at least. Like uh, what? Hanging out in, in in pubs or you know on the on the street and picking up the uh, the, the talk of the town? Is that it? Uh, that's it, and that was an old strategy because Lawrence of Arabia, who was picked at Cambridge amongst others and trained in Aramaic and Arabic uh, languages, mm-hmm. was sent off with many of them over to the Middle East, heavily financed by London, and they began newspapers in the Middle East. And he tells you in his own book, The, the Seven Pillars of Wisdom, he tells you that uh, his job and, and the rest of them was to set up little local Arabic newspapers mm-hmm. and feed them data, gossip, little stories like we get fed every day here, and then they would send out agents into the bars, the bazaars, etc., to collect all the gossip to see if the public were actually debating the topics they were giving them hmm. and coming to the conclusions they wanted the people to reach. Hmm. And so this has been going on for over 150 years, this kind of uh, data collection. So I know that uh, I guess they were successful <laughs> down there considering what Lawrence managed to do, I guess? Yeah. Hmm. And even at that time, uh, London had over one and a half thousand spies or, or, uh, throughout London mm. just doing the same stuff with the British people mm. uh, to collect data always keeping ahead of the game uh, what's, what are the peasants unruly about what's, get, what's getting them angry mm. um, again are they falling for the stories of trivia we give them uh, and debating it and, all, and are they debating the politics we give them to debate mm. uh, all of that stuff so this is nothing new. There's nothing new in it. The, the only thing that's new is we're, we're far more under a, a better um, scientific control today with the use of television. Television comes into everyone's home. You've had generations now that have grown up with television. Yeah. Uh, it's taken the place of even people uh, or babysitters. It has been a babysitter for many. Hmm. And um, that's how they pumped a different version of reality into the minds of the public and still do oh, yeah. most folk regardless of their age um, never question why that television is there or what kind of programming is put out by specific types of experts what is it doing to their actual mind yeah they, they question nothing but they do believe what they're told oh yeah i mean uh, exactly we we have shows like uh, we talked about this on, on the show before, like, um, what's it called, 24, and, and uh, the CSI, there are you know, a bunch of them out there, you know, in a, in a way, and and always, you know, stressing the, the uh, in many instances, stressing the idea of um, either if it's, you know, okay, if we only could, um, you know, somehow, uh, uh, e- either it's about shipping someone um, for the the security of the own per, uh, of the persons themselves, uh, the character in the series, or it's about uh, in some instances even even uh, to allow uh, torture, for instance, to uh, uh, extract information from agents and so forth. And and uh, of course those kinds of things allegedly were were why you know the the United States invaded uh, Iraq because uh, there were you know. Um, not you know humanitarian uh, stuff going on in Iraq. Uh, of course, torture was was uh, um, you know prominent as it were. But but now you know the Western world in that sense is ending up in the same <laughs> in the same place. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we know. I mean, even when they had the, the open inquiry with George Bush and some of the the heads present, and it was televised in Canada. Mm. 
when he was asked straight out, um, uh, why did he go into Iraq? Uh, because we found no weapons of mass destruction, and and he had nothing to do with 9/11. Yeah. And George Bush said, I know he had nothing to do with 9-11. He said he was just a bad man, and he says the world's a better place without him. Yeah, that's exactly. what he said on national television. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, so it had uh, nothing to do with 9-11. Yeah, and as long as people, uh, you know, don't have the, the the memory, you know, to re remember why they're there, or even, you know, even when 9-11 happened, <laughs> incredibly. Yes, you know. well, they did a poll in Canada <coughs> and the States, After he was on television saying that, mm. about six months later, and the poll showed that regardless of the fact that it had been admitted that Hussein had nothing to do with 9-11, mm. uh, the media had done such a good job of convincing the public of the opposite, that they all thought that Saddam Hussein was directly responsible for 9-11. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. Uh -huh. um, so, I mean, okay, what, what about... Let's take another example of, of um, you know centralized control, like uh, w within politics or whatever. Uh, pe people who uh, can can still on a few levels recognize that they're uh, that the local powers is is you know being withdrawn and and you know centralized either if it's uh, uh, the European Union or or if it's the um, what is it called the Pan American Union or whatever it is. Uh, people who kind of don't don't spot the spot the dangers within that. What what would you? What, why is that bad? What what would you say to a person like that? Well, you can't educate someone uh, on a lot of information in a short space of time. Uh, in a sense, two people do choice choose where they are in their own headspace and what they want to know. Mm -hmm. um, you can come up with plenty of evidence written by big players in history to do with the European Union and it's not just a union it's much much more than just an economic union mm -hmm. yeah it was a, a plan for a whole new way of living beyond uh, what we've been trained to think is normal now mm -hmm. uh, now we work Pavlovian style for rewards we reward ourselves and we put our work in our time in and we buy little trinkets of junk from China uh, that generally break down very quickly hmm. and end up in the, in the garbage. But um, that's Pavlovian training. We think that's normal hmm. because we've been trained to think that's normal. That's what existence we think is all about, putting hmm. up with hardship and then rewarding yourself every month. Yeah, I mean, it, Well, the next yeah. system is to cut down on all resources, And I've said for the last hundred years it would not allow us to go on consuming hmm. in this fashion. So the next step is to, to actually take over the mind of the individual completely because they said even at the League of Nations their war was on individuality. Hmm. Um, <laughs> the masses of people were easy to control. It's the individuals that created the problems hmm. because some individuals could see through uh, the charade and know or, or be able to vocalize that the king had no clothes. Hmm. So they decided long ago that they'd have to use science, and science would be their savior to bring peace to the world, and then they define peace as the, the absence, basically, of individual thought or the ability to have individual thought. Science would bring them to a stage where they could control the mind of every person. Mm -hmm. And uh, even with the Loyola meetings in Louisiana, they've had over the last few years, uh, world science meetings mm -hmm. say mm -hmm. that the chip is ready to go. 
And once it's installed, uh, the guy from Tokyo said, think of it more like a beehive. The sound will be the buzzing of the communications of supercomputers um, giving information to those around you and to you, and information going back again. He said there'll be no such thing as individuality and no ability to, for an individual to even perceive of themselves as a distinct, separate individual. Mm, yeah, so well, science is going to be their savior to create this um, global tyranny. However, they've admitted that the elite themselves will not have this chip because they need to, to retain their survival mechanisms because they will be guiding the world. Mm. Whereas the public won't need it because the state and the experts, the technocrats, they call them, will be uh, dealing with all, making all your decisions for you. Mm, yeah, it's it's about developing a, a worker a worker force, I guess. You know, a, a robotized humanity and and uh, uh, having to be able to use them for for the purposes that they see fit, I guess. Yeah, ID also means ideal design. Mm, interesting. <laughs> uh, so they're going to redesign special humans. Yeah. After that phase, and no one will object because no one could possibly even think <laughs> for themselves to object. Hmm. And. Um, and bring in more specialized types of humans, just like Plato talked about 2,300 years ago. But you, you, you mentioned uh, the Loyola meeting. Is that Goes that back to uh, Ignatius Loyola? Well, that was, was named after. It was a Catholic uh, college okay. and university, and um, that's where they held these science meetings for the, the big boys in the, the microchip business. And mm. it was uh, the first one was headed off by Newt Gingrich. Mm. He gave the opening speech, and then they went through the format of what they have, of how these chips have a protoplasmic cut, uh, covering, which will embed itself and attach itself like little tendrils through your nervous system, and be able to pass information directly into the neurons, your nerves, to the brain, and vice versa. Mm. and that uh, it's all ready to go. All they have to do now is convince the public by one way or another to accept it. So and they said that they would uh, fund uh, novelists, uh, movie writers, science fiction writers to make this uh, 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 desirable to the youth. And sure enough, after the first meeting, we suddenly had lots of movies come out where the superheroes all had uh, enhancement, you might call it, mm. uh, with these chips in them. You know, I'm I'm, I'm thinking about the the, the Star Wars uh, movie, of course, with a you know with a with a cyborg or you know named the Borgs, basically. And and uh, I mean, we we talked a little bit about this uh, now and then the 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 nanotech connection with with all of this, and and uh, it seems like this kind of technology would greatly you know advance an, an agenda like this to actually have uh, nanobots actually basically going into being introduced into your system somehow either you know again through the air the deliverance um, you know chemtrail spraying whatever through the food basically or uh, some other kind of deliverance method but uh, I mean the, the dangers here I mean what are the potentials what are the dangers I mean it seems like uh, in a way we're standing on this uh, you know, uh, edge here basically is is resistance futile to all of this? You know, we are on the edge. That you're you're right on. This this is the last step of this phase, and um, 
that even discussed if they could hype up tension and fear amongst the public and announced this also, which I'm waiting to see Oprah or some of the big players start to push it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've had some medical journals out on it. They said that um, they can stimulate various uh, natural uh, sedatives or tranquilizers from the brain. So the brain could be uh, actually used to, to create its own tranquilizers via a chip, which will stimulate certain parts of it. Yeah. And um, if they can hype up enough fear and bring this forth as a, a form of uh, natural tranquility without drugs, mm-hmm. the people will also go for it just to get relief. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just heighten up the the, st- the stimulants so people are you know sedated sedated back again. Uh, this yeah. reminds me. What was it? Uh, what was that guy's name? De- uh, Delgado, who did some experiments on uh, uh, the guy who was actually capable of of uh, stopping a bull w- after implanting a microchip uh, inside the bull. Do you remember this? Yeah, Del- Delgado worked for the FBI <coughs> departments and the CIA. Uh, if you want to know who's been spearheading the whole movement, it's the industrial-military complex mm. that Eisenhower warned the public about in his farewell address. Um, the, uh, these characters have funded all of this into being because they knew where, exactly where they were going a long time ago. And Delgado was one of many. Um, Tavistock Institute was also heavily involved. Aldo Huxley mm-hmm. um, visited Tavistock often to watch the experiments where they put wires in, in patients' brains mm-hmm. and made them do the same stuff. So mm-hmm. what Delgado was doing to show the public had already been done on humans yeah. in hmm. Tavistock. Yeah, that, so that, I mean, that, yeah. new in it, you know. That's one of the you know s- speculations, of course. Obviously, you know how 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 far have they actually gone, and how how weird can it get? Because just as you say, it feels like the things that we um, you know become um, th- that are put out through the mainstream or, or uh, you know regular science 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 journals or uh, whatever up up on the you know up up on our level is is yeah. way behind in a way. But but I mean the question is, as you say, we have you know we have DARPA with the what trillions of dollars budgets you know experimenting just on every every conceivable level to actually develop new new weaponry we have uh, uh, you know the what are called active denial systems we have the uh, uh, nano dust uh, type of things we even have uh, development about you know recruiting basically animals insects armies and even you know rodents and rats and even sharks i guess so i mean how <laughs> how weird do you think it is actually uh, you know on the on the lower levels on on the levels that we are not aware of yet well i'm pretty well positive since we're always when anything's admitted it's antique mm. uh, that's what i've always found in history um, these are all developed just in high secrecy under official secret sites, mm. and they don't publish it in popular science magazines mm. until it's really antique. And uh, they are way, way ahead, absolutely. I mean, Zygmunt Brzezinski, who specialized in the field of technotronics and mind control of the huge masses, this guy was um, uh, up in the State Department and Defense Department of the U.S. for years. He's been an advisor in many presidents, still is. Mm-hmm. And uh, he brought his book out called Between Two Ages. Mm-hmm. And he means that, two ages. They're talking about vast years of time in the high Masonic tradition when they call it ages. Mm-hmm. And he said in, in the technotronic uh, era, that was the chapter, 
um, he said that the public shortly will be unable to um, come to conclusions by themselves. There will be forces acting on them. He was talking about uh, uh, basically electrical type technologies, mm-hmm. which would affect their minds, and they would be unable to, to they wouldn't even know that their moods, their thoughts were being directed um, by a very few people in the know at the top. And he was talking about just the simple harp tech, uh, technologies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which there were 54 of them worldwide that we know of, but they also have portable ones mm-hmm. uh, for the military. And um, that alone has been used uh, nationwide, continent-wide, uh, and it still is, actually, I've got all the frequencies here off the harp. You can pick it up 24 hours a day now. Mm. It never stops, mm-hmm. and it hasn't for five years. What, what, so what they're care? using it already on the public, that alone. And they know it, it can make people very depressed or excited or angry mm. um, or apathetic uh, or are, tired. Are these working all of these technologies right uh, now. Are, are these working on, on what, the, the, the brain activity frequency or, or what, what's going on there, do you know? Well, see, medicine for many years, unknown to the public, on, again, the higher levels through the military-industrial complex, uh, they realized a long, long time ago that every little chain in your body and every little message that's carried in your bloodstream or through your tissue to different types of cells um, work because each cell, and there's many kinds of cells and tissue in your body, each cell has its own vibrational frequency. Mm-hmm, yeah. And it's no different from a radio. A radio has an oscillator, a coil that oscillates a vibration. And when you tune in and make it vibrate at a certain frequency, then the incoming signal, if it is the same from a station and they both match, you can then reinterpret the original signal that's been sent out. Mm -hmm. The body works the same way. And so your cells which receive the messages are vibrating. And when the, the particular proteins and amino acids are coming along in the right chain, towards those cells, they'll vibrate at the same frequency and, and it's pulled out towards them, it attracts them. And that's how it gets its food nourishment and its messages on very, very low energy pulses. So the military was very involved in that because they could literally rewire a person. Mm-hmm. They could stop your heart. They could uh, give you high blood pressure. They could give you low blood pressure. Um, they, could do, they could basically alter the language um, the healthy language of anyone's body by understanding the language of, e- of each type of, of tissue with its own specific frequency vibration. Mm. Um, the same thing with thoughts. That's how basically uh, they can implant thoughts in people's minds too. It's a, a language using various electrochemical stimuli remotely, which mm. will um, uh, your brain will interpret what you think is your own thoughts, but it's not. And they've got papers out on this now, meaning, again, it's obsolete. It's, uh, it's old technology. Hmm. Do, do you know if they've conducted any any larger experiments with, with these kind of things, let's say, over a, a war area to, you know, disperse the enemy or whatever? Do you know if there have been big, larger tests on this actually implemented? Not only on any enemy, but what we've got to realize is we are all the enemy. Oh, yeah, you are, yeah of that, course. That's the trick yeah. here. <laughs> I mean, for instance, for all the, the, the declassified information mm. that every Western country has today about using their own troops for experiments, 
for using prisoners in in federal prisons yeah. for experiments, yeah. and even so much as in 1948 to use a combined ex- effort with the U.S. and Canadian um, government, giving acquiescence to the U.S. military to spray over Calgary in Canada for weeks at low level mm-hmm. with a, a specific substance, and then follow the history, the health histories of all the people of the city. Mm-hmm down through the years hmm. to find out how this caused various kinds of cancers. Hmm. This is all declassified stuff. Hmm. See, we are all the enemy to the, to the elite. They have no nation. They're international. Yeah. It's a tribal... Well, it's, it's so more, they use it. Hmm. Uh, it's more like and, a small... Um, uh, even Norwich in England, uh, the, 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 the British Navy uh, released uh, tons and tons of gas from just off the ocean and let it blow in towards the, uh, Norwich. And they used cadmium, mm. one of the most carcinogenic agents you can find. And then they studied the health of the people down through the years to watch how they died off and how many, etc. Mm. Uh, we're all the enemy. Yeah. Now, the harp technology was used openly because they admitted it in the British newspapers in Gulf War One, mm. And you saw thousands of the, the, the troops coming up and giving themselves up, totally stunned, completely stunned. Now, they hadn't been under any artillery barrage, and yet it was captured, and then Britain admitted that it used uh, harp-type uh, electromagnetic pulse frequencies on them for 24 hours. Mm. And mm. they were not only confused um, and stunned, uh, um, they had to be led because they couldn't uh, think for themselves that their minds were knocked out of action altogether. Mm. Oh my. Um, the people of Maine and the U.S. were the first people that admitted so far that the harp technology from Alaska was used on to study as a people yeah. to see the effects on it. Hmm. They had a lawsuit in against the federal government for doing it. Really? Yeah. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Um, you, I mean, if we were to return a, a little bit to to you know the um, some of the technologies potential out there i mean there are uh, you know of course a lot of uh, chit chatter about also the uh, the de- you know development and and uh, uh, you know consequent implementation of, of viruses into into you know the natural environment uh, uh, yeah. there are still talks about you know the the bird flu even a, it was what is it called h5n1 um, various uh, uh, you know dangers that that of course is is you know uh, related to to this virus. But um, do you think that there? Because I know I'm asking this also a little bit because I know you you were uh, recently on on um, uh, Dr. Deagle's show, Bill Deagle, uh, and I know that he mentioned this am- among other things, of course, in in one of his talks uh, that I watched uh, about a potential. Um, uh, you know, actually letting out a virus either in I don't know, 2007, later or 2008, maybe something like that. Uh, either if it's uh, H5N1 or if it's something other, I, I don't know. Uh, do you have any ideas or even theories about this? Do you, do you think that they will do this at some, at some point or, or not? Yeah, well, what is curious, what is very curious, very interesting, is that everything that you can find in the book of Revelations in the New Testament is being used. But mm. it's science that's doing it. Mm. They're, in, they're actually following it like a plan. Yeah. And everything from earthquakes, which harp can do, mm. 
to uh, to heat cold, all these kind of things, to plague, um, uh, famine, pestilence, all can be done today uh, through science. In fact, it has been done mm. uh, pretty well on an ongoing basis for quite a few years now. Yeah. I mean, for instance, Monsanto not only has genetically modified our food, and it's not to help the, the, the plants, believe you me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you think about that and alone, and there's no outcry that your your staple needs water, food, clothing, etc. Yeah. They've gone for your, They've made war on your staple needs. Yeah. Yeah. And give you no say in it whatsoever. They just did it. Yeah. That's right. They're at war with you, and then then you go into. Um, uh, Monsanto's also altered different kinds of insects. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Now, now, they admit it. I've got some of the patents here. And, uh, for instance, a few years ago, we had a plague of ladybirds, ladybugs. Mm-hmm. And they were biting people. And I mean plague of them, a mm-hmm. real pestilence. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Canadian government came on, as you and said, oh, we don't know anything about it, and they don't bite, yada, yada, yada. A month later, it got so bad, the Department of Agriculture came out and says, well, yeah, we did release millions of them, <laughs> uh, but they don't bite. And then a month later, they came out and says, well, yeah, they are slightly modified in different kinds there, but yeah, there's some of them do bite. So th- they're at a lot of uh, this kind of stuff. They're giving us the, the build-up to the pestilences. Yeah. Because warfare departments, a long time ago, uh, since World War II that we know of, and it's declassified in a book, by a, a Canadian reporter from the Toronto Star. It's called Deadly Allies. Mm-hmm. And it's Canada's role in the, the, the military-industrial complex with bacterial and viral warfare, because mm-hmm. Canada leads the world, by the way, little old uh, pristine white snow-covered Canada, mm-hmm. the world, in this research. And um, it, they, they, they've been going into biting insects, mosquitoes, and all kinds of biting insects were the ideal carriers to carry disease. Oh, really? So they breed special types of mosquitoes in Belleville mm-hmm. in Ontario. Hmm. And uh, and it's still on the go today. Yeah. From World War II right to the present. And they ship them down to the U.S. where it goes to Plum Island and different places mm-hmm. uh, for the center of, and, and the Center of Disease Control. Good title, that Center for Disease Control. They, they control the diseases. Yeah, yeah. And uh, mm. so, yeah, biting insects especially um, are their main form modes of carrying uh, coming plagues. And uh, isn't that also a kind of uh, theme very prominently within, you know, religious scripture, especially, you know, the Bible about uh, swarms of, um, you know, uh, grasshoppers or, or, you know, different kinds of, of uh, insects that actually come over an area and actually, you know, uh, l- yeah. Leave the country, country, you know, desolate and and totally, you know, a wasteland, basically, you know. Absolutely, and when you look at the last 30 years, with the government intrusion, first giving out the bait of uh, various tax exemptions to farmers, then coming in with demands and then putting them out of business, mm-hmm. and now you have the big agri agri food businesses, Canagra, ADM, yeah, ADM is just Adam, you know, and. ADM. Um, mm-hmm. And all the big ones, uh, they now have decided, and they did in the free trade negotiations for NAFTA, uh, that they would put the major producers of uh, fruit and vegetables in Latin America, mm-hmm. 
So they've basically destroyed most of the farming in Canada and the States. And so it'd be quite easily now to simply to withhold the food from Canadians uh, and release uh, pestilences here that would destroy whatever little is produced here. Mm-hmm. Very simple. On a war, what you have to do is, is look at uh, study military history because it's nothing to do, really. The, the, the part where guys are facing guys with guns and they charge each other, mm-hmm. that's only a little piece of it. Mm-hmm. Most of warfare is to do with economics, scientific strategy, scientific mm-hmm. weaponry, yeah. and you go after the basic needs of peoples. That's right, yeah, definitely. And, and uh, the bees, that's why the bees have been eliminated too. Yeah, yeah. how, how about that? Um, w- what's your take on that? Is, is that something, are there still coming out reports on that, or, or have this been resolved in, in, in any way? How, how's things oh no, they're just stunned, they just don't know. Okay. Just stunned. You know. mm. Now, they, they could probably make a bee from scratch, uh, and uh, rearrange the genes and make it whatever kind of bee they wanted it to, mm-hmm. but they just don't know what nurse causing it. They're totally stumped, yeah. Mm. And this is obviously, you know, and, and a thing that consequently would, would um, you know, affect the entire, um, you know, food industry or, or, you know, the food supply, so to speak, of, of you know, the <laughs> everybody that is... Yeah, and, and Deadly Allies is quite a, an interesting book. Mm-hmm. But declassified documents in the books, all, it's all from government declassified books, uh, papers. Mm. Uh, they, they, they discuss every means to take down peoples and whole nations. And they discussed ways of uh, stopping pollination mm. Mm. back in World War II. Yeah. And think tanks. And, uh, and they also discussed uh, Banting, the great hero that liked to uh, dissect dogs to get his name in the history books. Uh, really, his main job was working for the military-industrial complex, and he came up with a, a kind of disease that is identical, if not the same, as what we call mad cow disease. Mm-hmm. And he wanted this to be uh, to infect every cow uh, and every animal in Germany to kill off their entire the protein food supply mm. in World War Two. There you go. Did the same things with channeling out little tunnels in the brain. A spongy form encephalitis yeah. and those who would eat it. So it's it's mm. all it's old stuff. It's all military weaponry that's yeah. used today. So th- this is a, about um, you know the structure of of nature is is in itself is is falling apart because of this. Uh, I mean, so so this is a, a way to. Uh, I mean, we we talked about this this before, but uh, I mean, there that is a question that we you know have to return to again and again to actually. Uh, you know, consider it and ponder upon it, you know, in, in that fact on what the heck actually is going on and what the heck is the nature of these people who are performing it. In a way, um, you know, you can see it, as you said earlier, that this is so compartmentalized that people within the structures dom- themselves don't know what they are doing or what the consequences of what their work actually is going to be. But as you say, at, at, I mean, someone <laughs> at the top, at least in that sense, are aware of the big picture and yeah. and you know looking upon all these compartmentalized areas and see what's what's going on in that way uh what do you think the the plan is from from their point of view are are they you know up to colonizing mars or or the moon or something like that to the where they can escape to you know oh, i'm sure they already have their escape routes done uh, since an elite always takes care of itself in all ages first and foremost mm. and they've all of us to take the money from or whatever they use to get us working for them, to make it all happen for them. Uh, it's 
quite a, an interesting system. Mm. But we do know they have many underground bases across the planet. Yeah, yeah. Not only underground bases. I mean, the Canadian government uh, that, that created all these ladybugs, that's only one type they've released now. I don't know what else they've released. Mm. But they had huge facilities, and they are underground as well, uh, unknown to the public. Yeah. And this came out really when they legalized government-issued marijuana for medical reasons yeah. a few years ago. And then they admitted, just like that, first time in history, that this little quip came on the, the CBC, uh, the King government grew it in underground laboratories. Mm. Hmm. You there know, you yeah. I, I mean, uh, this is old, old techniques. If you want to hide something, you put it under the ground where no one can see it. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And uh, I, I actually was on a... Uh, on a tour even here in Sweden just a few weeks ago of some of the uh, they were not specifically underground bases but there were old military uh, mountain facilities or, or they were directly drilled into the mountains themselves yeah. where they actually had uh, used explosives to uh, you know detonate inside the the, the, the mountain then just uh, actually build like a, a house within that uh, area of, of uh, where they cleared you know with the di uh, dynamite and so forth and um, and they're right there in a lot of these uh, you know cities around the west coast here, and people you know have no idea that they're actually right there in the in the uh, in the town centers. Just you know, in some instances they were just behind uh, uh, you know the um, the government building or or in connection with uh, the police department. You know, <laughs> so they're they are right there. But th that only, of course, as you say, begs the question. Okay, so these are the, the facilities that are, in a way, on the top surface. It would be yep. very interesting to see how deep they go and how far, um, you know, how, even how big some of these facilities are. Because, uh, I mean, I've, I've heard speculations that there even is, uh, if we were to talk about the U.S. again, that there is um, underlying, you know, tunnels that actually connects uh, the entire country under underneath the, the surface. Do you know if, if that is uh, the case? Do you think so? Yeah, I, I do know um, of some Indians that came across, a, 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 they were hunting, a, they were following an animal, and mm -hmm. they, they went to a bush, and um, it turned out to be artificial, mm. but the real thing, and in, in the middle of it was this big, um, this big ship's air vent that comes up like a, an umbrella, you know, with a handle of a walking stick, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and um, and there was a, and there was a, a, a cover there, a manhole-type cover, mm -hmm. with turf, artificial turf on it, <laughs> and they hauled it up and looked inside, and, and there was two railroad tracks underneath there. Yeah. Then they saw the cameras around, so they got out quick, <laughs> but they do have them, yeah, yeah and they've been building these for years. The Rand Corporation owns uh, the, the largest underground boring machines in the, wor the world, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they have like, a lot of them based in Greenland. Okay. And that's also where they have the other, another harp facility, one of the big U.S. harp facilities. And uh, the Rand machine, uh, that was even in, that was even in <laughs> popular mechanics some years ago. Mm. The, this thing could bore through any kind of rock or tunnel at the speed of five miles per hour, mm. even <laughs> hard granite. Yeah. And it, um, it didn't say how it was fueled or powered, but it would create such heat that it would literally melt and, and then petrify the rock behind it, which formed the casing of the tunnel, a complete finished tunnel. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they, I mean, uh, there, there were some uh, very large mach machines involved in a few years ago. There was a big <laughs> scandal here in Sweden. Uh, they're boring a new uh, 
a new a new train tunnel through through an area called uh, uh, Hallandsåsen, and uh, they used. I saw a picture of this actually in. Uh, uh, what's the guy's name again? I can't remember now. He he wrote an entire book called Underground Bases and Tunnels. Uh, um, anyway, I, I forget the name now. But uh, and they show this picture anyway of of this huge machine, just as you say, that that could bore through the entire uh, you know huge area with this uh, um, you know to to have the have the trains go through this tunnel. And and so these are you know very real and very you know <laughs> existence. In it. so there's nothing uh, you know no doubt about that. But Again, if if they actually use this in um, up in public, so to speak, uh, these, these you know incredible machines. The question is again, I mean, what the heck do they actually have down there? I mean, there there could be even larger. They could be even more efficient. I've even heard uh, uh, that they actually use what was it a, a nuclear type explosions w uh, within the mountains, but they actually have some kind of of. Uh, um, I think it's actually it's a bacteria that actually eats um, away radiation, so you can actually go down into these tunnels uh, after they have uh, detonated a, a nuke or, or a, a minor nuclear explosion. Uh, so it's safe to go down there. I have no idea if this is true, but this is speculations I've heard, so very interesting stuff, definitely. Yeah, yeah they have m many ways to, to blast um, uh, rock, even photon uh, beams, and even the harp type technology, they can they can actually um, pulse it at such a frequency that literally it shatters everything in front of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and they can also superheat it uh, using harp, uh, the standing wave type technology, directed beam. They can cause such superheat they, they, that itself will cause uh, a self thermal nuclear explosion. Okay, like m melting uh, the mountain, for us, for us, but uh, but uh, from the inside almost, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, you know, w one thing also I, d I did want to run by you here before we uh, finish off this this segment is uh, some s speculation, of course, around um, the areas of, of uh, developing chimeras and so forth, the animal-human uh, uh, hybrids or, or mix between g genetics. I know uh, there is one kind of historical. Uh, aspect to this that was uh, an, an article in, in from the Scotsman about two years ago now about uh, that they have uncovered documents um, pointing to, for instance, that uh, Stalin was actually trying to develop a, a half-human, half-ape kind of super warrior. But this is only one, of course, of all of all the uh, you know speculations and and uh, also of course un uncovered documents that that are out there. But do you think that they are performing this this kind of uh, Mixing and blending of species now in the under underground laboratories and stuff like this. They're doing it in the open too. Um, most of the fish you'll even catch in your lake have been modified. Mm -hmm. The archimeras. I've got a video here, and it's um, parts of it from a Canadian Ministry of Fisheries, where they show the little sort of conveyor belts, little streams going along these conveyor belts with fish in them. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are women all, uh, along there every five feet or so, and they pick up a fish every few seconds, touch it against a little post that uses insufflation techniques to inject into it without breaking the skin. It literally goes right through, diffuses through the skin. Mm -hmm. And they use E. coli at, uh, with attached DNA to go right in deep in the fish's cells. Mm -hmm. Once that's in the, in the cell of the fish, um, whenever an older cell dies off, the new type is coming in, the altered type will reproduce itself and become eventually the full fish. 
that in it. They've mm. already done that, and they're putting them back into the lakes they take them from, mm. so that they can eventually re-modify all of the fish in all the lakes and the sea. Mm. Uh, mm. Now, this this has been going on for years. Mm. Huge projects, unknown to the public, and what amazed me wasn't just the fact that they were actually doing it. It was it was the speed at which they could do it. It was all all the old problems have been ironed out, obviously, and it was a, a very fast process. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And um, so, so yeah, a chimera is, is no problem. A chimera really is just different species. Um, if you were to take chimera, literally all the food you're eating now is is basically chimera um, based, including all your vegetables. They're, yeah. they're mixtures of plants, animals, insects, everything. Yeah, exactly. Human wasn't it human genes in in uh, some new kind of rice and even uh, tomatoes, I think. And fish. Yes, and I've had them in, in uh, certain, a lot of pigs in the U.S. for years. Okay. Huh. Mm. And, f- and fish, uh, what was it, mi- mixed between potatoes, I think, and, and uh, fish. They used some uh, uh, some DNA that actually makes the potatoes resistant to, um, you know, freezing temperature, uh, temperatures, I think. Uh, that's right. But they put it, see, insects have a natural antifreeze in them. Mm. That's when they actually change their composition towards winter. And that's why they don't, they can survive through the winter in a static or a stasis stage. Mm. And they took that those particular cells that create this type of antifreeze and put them in the foods. Yeah. Um, you know, Alan, I think that this is a great great uh, place to to round things up for this segment, and we're going to continue a little bit in the subscriber section and talk a little bit more. Um, but before we do that, at usual, at usual, I, I want to, you know, in case we have new listeners with us, uh, new people that comes to your your material and your work and so forth, uh, tell them about your your website, of course, and uh, also uh, some of the things that you you have the, up there on the website. Yes, uh, they can check out cuttingthroughthematrix.com and my other site for Europe. It's uh, alanwattsentientsentinel.eu. And you'll find lots of stuff, lots of my talks for free to download, and uh, just a very few things that I do sell, uh, which goes deeper into the system and some of the tricks it employs, including the deciphering of the alphabet and all the other codes, uh, at least a couple of the code levels that are used and the public don't even realize or use them every day. So they can check up those sites and uh, download it as much as they want for free and uh, and print it up and pass information around. Okay, excellent. Uh, thank you, Alan. It's cuttingthroughthematrix.com. Everybody do check it out. And Alan and I are going to continue now in the subscriber section. But for this segment, thank you very much for coming on, Alan. We'll talk more in the subscriber section. Yeah.